Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I find it fascinating that we can engage airstrikes against Iranian militia targets. And you can't find the story. You can't find the story. It took place last night. U.S. military action against three facilities along the Iraq-Syria border. Joe Biden, President of the United States, directing the attacks. These facilities used by Iran-backed groups. That's where they launch UAVs from, un- from unmanned aerial vehicles. And they utilize them against U.S. personnel and facilities in Iraq. We saw this when President Trump was president. The oil fields against U.S. targets, and you know what Trump did? Nothing. Didn't respond. Did not respond. Yet we were told uh, he was leading us into war. This strike supposedly was defensive and killed between four and seven militiamen. And I can't find the story on anybody's front page. Wait, hold on. Let me ju- let me just double check what I- what I've got here at CNN. Nope. This is all about the condo, which is a big story. Don't get me wrong. What's happening in Surfside and how they're lying about what's happening in Surfside as the Washington Post did very dangerous stuff. Oh, the Supreme Court on transgender students. I'll have that story coming up. The Delta variant which will cause very dense outbreaks. The Delta variant is out of India. They call it Delta because they don't want to admit to you that calling it the Wuhan virus wasn't racist or bigoted. So now, instead of saying it's from Britain or it's from South Africa, it's from India, they call them the Alpha variant and the Delta variant. And the, these woke folk. If Donald Trump were president, all I would be hearing about is how we have been led to the brink of war. We engaged in bombing raids to which Congress was not consulted, and I can't find the story. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Now, there's a question of whether or not we should have done this or not done this, and people can agree and disagree. These strikes were carried out against these Iranian-backed military groups, Uh, This was uh, back in February when Biden uh, hit a compound in Syria uh, operated by a couple of groups aligned with Iran. So this is the second military movement of President Biden in six months. And of course, the militias are responding. We will avenge the blood of our righteous martyrs against the perpetrators of this heinous crime. And with God's help, we will make the enemy taste the bitterness of revenge. Man, that's that's like a Hallmark card version of uh, we're 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 gonna punch you back. I don't know what they're going to do. Senate Democrats want to know the uh, reason for the airstrikes. They're saying that you didn't consult with us. You're engaging in these strikes. You didn't consult with us. Isn't that what we wanted from Trump? Isn't that what we want from you? Isn't that what we wanted from Trump? Isn't that what we want from you? Could you imagine they might actually hold to a standard? 
Some Democrats might be asking the question privately because their constituents might be bothered by such things. But publicly, this story has disappeared. It's Iran. It's the, the state sponsor of terror around the globe. Instead, they want me to find out about William Barr and election and the election. I don't care what William Barr has to say about the election. Did Trump th- try this? Did Trump try that? Did Trump try the other? Sure. Did he break the law anywhere? No. Did he have a serious issue with his lawyers losing before the election ever began? Yes. Were things screwed up in Pennsylvania and Georgia and possibly Arizona? Well, definitely Pennsylvania, very possibly Georgia, and we're going to find out about Arizona. I guess that's what that audit is for. Are people wrong to say there was something wrong with the election? No. Is Joe Biden the president? Yes. Now can I get to these airstrikes, please? Can't find it. Can't find it. If I go to MSNBC, I've got about Giuliani's suspension. By the way, no trial and and Rudy Giuliani loses his law license. It's pretty messed up. I've got how the Trump organization is being charged. I've got stuff about uh, William Barr. I've got stuff on Mitch McConnell. I have how the Arizona Republicans are stripping power from the Democratic Secretary of State. Nothing. Nothing. This is a story in and of itself. I mean, I'll get to later the 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 actual you know uh, bombing and, and and what we think of it. This is incredible. When people discuss media and lack of faith in media, how is this not a front and center part of their conversation? There's no conversation about it. Literally none. I'm on ABC News. Uh, Type 2 diabetes doubled in kids during the pandemic. I have that story. I have a seven-year-old girl suffering a shark bite. Now, I will give them credit. Here's a story about one dead and 13 wounded in two shootings in Chicago. Oh, they want it to be anti-gun uh, violence. Okay. But you look at their top stories, none of them are about these airstrikes. If it was Trump, it would all be drumbeats of war. I think it's an important story. I'll give you a second important story. And this is the um, important story of Make-A-Wish. This story hit me in a way just sick and twisted and wrong that the ceo of make-a-wish right you got terminally ill children and they want to they want to meet the rock and so make-a-wish makes that happen and then uh, the rock meets the kid and everyone's you know like oh this is great and that's it hey if i thought some kid wanted to meet me and make a wish i'd go do it i don't i don't think that's my demo but i would go do it of course i would happy to Well, the CEO of Make-A-Wish, he puts out a video saying, hey, guys, we're we're back. We can travel, and here's how we're going to help people. And over the past year, we spent each day at Make-A-Wish preparing for the moment when every possible wish could safely move forward. We've approached this responsibility with a focus and diligence for your family's health and safety. 
Now we've consulted with doctors and medical professionals throughout the National Medical Advisory Council. And we've been monitoring public health organizations like the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics. And based on their collective guidance, today we're making a big step forward in delivering hope to you, our wish kids and our wish families. I'm excited to share that Make-A-Wish will resume granting air travel wishes within the United States and its territories, as well as granting wishes involving large gatherings for vaccinated wish families as soon as September 15th of 2021. Vaccinated wish families can get their Make-A-Wish? What happens if the kid is seven? Because there's nothing that discusses vaccines for kids under the age of 12. And the CDC and the World Health Organization have said of kids 12 to 17, let's woe up a little bit on them vaccines, shan't we? Let's take a look at what it is that's actually happening. Maybe a little more look at the data. So now you're going to limit the wishes to kids who've been vaccinated and it's possible they're not allowed to get vaccinated because of some other treatment? That's insane. You put this video out like you're doing people a favor? Well, they got a lot of derision, and rightfully so. I have not thought about whether or not Make-A-Wish is a good organization or not. I don't know anything about their inner workings. You know what I know now? The CEO makes $600,000 a year and just bought a $4.5 million house. If you're the CEO of Make-A-Wish... Maybe you don't want people knowing you have a four and a half million dollar house because people who donate to make a wish want the money going to kids, not to your house. And let me tell you, the house, as is reported, is sweet. Like, dang sweet. And it was, it, it was an article, by the way, in the Arizona Republic. Make-A-Wish America CEO is among the buyers of this week's priciest homes in Metro Phoenix. Four and a half million dollars. See, this story should be a national story. This story should be a big story about what it is that charities actually do with dollars. I can't find that either. I can't find that story. It doesn't exist. So I can look at a bombing raid against Iranian militia groups and not find the story. Or I can have the head of Make-A-Wish pushing the nonsense of vaccine insanity. Not that I think vaccines are nonsense. But the insanity around you can't have any type of life unless you have a vaccine. That's crazy talk. You're not allowed to be out of the house. You're not allowed to go to a concert. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. And no story. Now, Make-A-Wish has already come out and say, you know what? We're, we're, we changed our mind. We're, uh, we're, 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 no vaccines are necessary. Well, why'd you put it out to begin with? You didn't think this is the way it was going to go? You listened to the science and you listened to the doctors and yet... I'm more bothered that I can't find these stories than I am about the stories. Although I I think that the CEO of Make-A-Wish came off pretty dang smarmy. If you ask me.
and that he's six hundred thousand a year and and four and a half million dollar homes. I, I you might find there's a new CEO of Make a Wish coming soon. But we don't know about these stories. That drives me crazy. Because we should know about these stories. Not every... You know what MSNBC Daily has for me? The Tea Party's low-key racism is now center stage. The Tea Party? What year is this? We are 12 years past the Tea Party. The Tea Party's low-key racism... But no, I should respect today's media. No, journalist doing doing hard work. Wait till you hear about Hannah Dreyer. I've got that story written and coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So Greg Abbott's going to continue the border wall with or without Joe Biden's help. He's not wrong. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Always great to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, making very, very clear, very clear, that he is in this presidential running. It's obvious. These moves that he's making and that he is not being considered in the larger conversation. And I agree, it's too early for all of this. Please, my my overarching um, uh, thesis still remains. People talking about this now are are, are nuts. But people are talking about, or at least jockeying, those guys, I get what, what, what Abbott's doing. He's going to put himself in position to be part of the conversation. Why shouldn't he be? All it's going to take is one thing to come out about Ron DeSantis to sink him. And one uh, thing about Christy Nome. And there he is. There's Greg Abbott. Ready to go. Of course he should be moving in this direction. Of course he should be engaged in these things. He will have a story to tell. Well, not in Austin. They hate him in Austin. But this is the town that thought they were knew better than Uber and then couldn't figure out how to make Uber work when Uber was working before Austin got rid of Uber. You know, it's a true story. They had Uber. And then Austin said, oh, we can't allow this because it's not giving people full-time employment or some other kind of nonsense, garbage, pseudo-intellectualism that has never produced anything. So they created their own system to replace the Uber system, and that system went out of business. Because government cannot do what it is the private sector does. That's Austin, Texas. And they hate Greg Abbott. The rest of Texas, outside of some uh, sections of Houston, seem pretty fine with Greg Abbott. 
Abbott is making himself heard. And Abbott has at least uh, right on his side. The border's a mess, and this administration does absolutely nothing. They do nothing. They care about nothing. They have zero interest in what's actually happening. I mean, I may I may share this later, but did you hear this from Representative Ocasio-Cortez about the idea of people being hysterical about crime? We are seeing these headlines about percentage increases. Now, I want to say that any amount of harm is unacceptable and too much. But I also want to make sure that this hysteria, you know, that this doesn't drive a hysteria and that we look at these numbers in context so that we can make responsible decisions about what to allocate um, in that context. Every time she speaks, she sounds like a child. All of her policies are childlike. Her popularity is, is frightening. Because once you, 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 you get away from the fact that she's good on Twitter, what, what are you left with? You're left with a child engaged in childlike policy. We should avoid the hysteria over the rise in crime. Why aren't we addressing the rise in crime? Maybe because addressing the rise in crime doesn't work for you. It doesn't provide you with the talking points that are necessary. No, it's not just COVID. No, it's not because we still fund police. The pushes to defund police have certainly got people talking about uh, engaging in more crime, but really, as we discuss it, as Congressman Jim Banks was trying to discuss it with with Chris Wallace before, and I think Banks made a mistake here, the congressman from, from Indiana, who I like, He's been on the show numerous times. I like the guy personally and professionally. You don't let Chris Wallace uh, stop you. You go right through Chris Wallace because he's he's proven himself to be uh, not not pushing hard news, but pushing uh, narrative news. I don't mind hard. And the question could have been hard, like why why are you uh, why are you uh, upset with with Biden when he wants to put three hundred fifty uh, billion dollars towards policing and you voted against it? But he didn't vote against it. He voted against the whole thing having to do with COVID, and you try and you're connecting those two bills and or those that that piece of legislation. It's it, you're not having the proper conversation. But what Banks brought up was Ilhan Omar says this, Rashida Tlaib says that, and Wallace dismissed it. Wallace should have been put in his place for dismissing that. That is creating the type of attitudes on the streets where people say, I don't have to pay attention to cops. I don't have to listen to the police. They're always in the wrong. That's what we've done culturally. That has a huge part to play in this conversation. We've told people the cop is always wrong, therefore you're always right. And you're not always right, and the cop is not always wrong. But don't tell that to celebrity culture or people in the Biden administration. This is Tony Katz Today. So let's go over what it is Joe Biden has done on infrastructure to make Republicans say, hey, you're going back on your word. 
But it starts with understanding that Republicans never should have gotten into this deal to begin with. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, the phone number 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. What happened was, was there was this idea of two tracks. One track was going to be what could not get passed via reconciliation. The other one was going to be all reconciliation. Reconciliation is a budget um, type of conversation. How you can get things passed without going through the rigmarole of standard Senate debate. Standard Senate debate involves 60 votes. To to, uh, start a debate or to engage cloture, which is to end a debate. You have to be able to end the debate to then bring up a vote about the thing. That's why that 60-vote threshold is so important. This is how we talk about the filibuster. If you can't end debate on an issue, you have to keep talking about it, and therefore you don't ever get to vote on the bill itself. That's how the Senate works. There's a reason it's referred to as the world's most deliberative body. It's supposed to take its time and not be engaged in the whims of the people. It's supposed to work for the states. One of the many reasons why I oppose the direct election of senators. Senators used to be chosen by the state legislatures. They are now chosen by the people. I oppose this idea. It's a bad idea. Let them be responsive to the legislatures to ensure that the states are getting what they need from their government. Not playing to the whims of the people, that's what the House of Representatives is quite literally for. Which is why there are more of them, because they are more responsive to the people, and why the elections are every two years versus every six. Founding Fathers had a pretty good idea of what they were doing. They had done some research and whatnot. So through this reconciliation project, that's where you get this idea of something called human infrastructure. It's a made-up word. But everybody's going to use it. Human infrastructure is, well, you know, uh, child care, that's infrastructure. Long-term health care, that's infrastructure. Health care itself, that is also infrastructure. And anything we can do via a budgetary process that doesn't require us getting Republicans on board, F those Republicans. That's who they are. That's what they believe. The Democratic Party has no interest in having debate or bringing people on board their interest f these people beginning to end they don't care they have proven it every single day and in every single way so what they couldn't get through reconciliation they needed to have republicans on board with so how could you dupe the mitt romney set into going along with you well we'll we'll cut on this and we'll cut on that and we'll have a bipartisan effort and there you got rob portman and 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 mitt romney and lisa murkowski and susan collins oh they're they're part of this 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 gang of eight that got together and they banged it out and they didn't bang anything out Because what we heard immediately was Joe Biden say, I want both these bills together on my desk or I'm not signing them. And people said, I'm sorry, what? Oh, you want the infrastructure bill you worked out with Republicans. And you want the reconciliation bill on your desk at the same time. Well, that's not what you told Republicans. 
That's how he's and Republicans said you lied. Because of course he lied. He's Joe Biden. Well, of course he lied. Oh, you lied. Oh my gosh. Oh, we don't know about this now. And then Biden said, you know what? I'm a man of my word, and I said I would sign it, and I will do just that. Some people are like, well, okay. Okay, if, they've, if, if that's what you're going to do, you promised. That's what he's going to do. But we already know that Speaker Pelosi has said she will hold up the infrastructure bill until the reconciliation bill is there to vote on and send to the president's desk as well. So Joe Biden already let the cat out of the bag that he wants both at once. Then he's going to go back and try and get Republicans to believe the idea that he'll still sign it. But that's all predicated on Nancy Pelosi actually bringing it to a vote and sending it to his desk. And she's not willing to do that. She's not willing to do that. So Republicans have to learn quite quickly they got screwed. You cannot trust Joe Biden. You cannot trust this Democratic Party. You cannot trust a party that believes it can move trillions of dollars in debt through a process that doesn't bring in one Republican vote. Mitt Romney has to stop worrying about which Christmas parties he's going to get invited to. Oh, I'm so busy this season. I have so many Christmas parties. I'm so popular. I'm going to have to get myself a drab blue suit and then a drab black suit and then a drab blue suit again. Oh, I'm going to be so busy. And even though I'm worth $250 million, I'm not going to get a suit that properly brings a silhouette. It's just going to be big and boxy. That way I look like I shouldn't even be there. I'm assuming that's how Mitt Romney talks. Is that not it? I can't wait until Mitt Romney just becomes a Democrat already, and then we could all complain about how that Democrat put his dog on his car. That's going to be great. That's all. Oh, that's going to be the moment. Can you believe that Democrat Mitt Romney put his dog on top of the car? Oh, oh, there should be a lawsuit. And then Democrats are going to be like, fresh air. The dog just wanted some fresh air. What? Why? What's the... What do you, what do you, oh, like Republicans really care about puppies. Though, tell me how close I am to reality on that subject. So this is the infrastructure story. And this infrastructure story is, well, going to be a big one because we're talking about trillions of dollars. Trillions of dollars. So we'll see. But Republicans better learn that you you can, you cannot trust. You cannot trust Joe Biden. But maybe you can trust Generation Z. Generation Z is very interesting. So this is what's after the millennials. And then remember the millennials, the top age of the millennials is now 40. Right, producer Ari? They're, they're, they're up to 40. I don't know that for sure, but I think so. I think it's 86 it's is when, there was, when the latest one is. So my, my, the, the point that I, that, I, that I make is that you, you have uh, – these, these are grown-ups who have just not done it right their entire careers. But they've done, I shouldn't say not totally right. They've done some things very well. Gen Z is a unique generation 
because there have been multiple reports and bits of polling and studying that shows that Generation Z is not buying into the madness of the millennial generation. And they're also a little more conservative. Now, I, I don't know if this is 100% true. I haven't spoken to many uh, Gen Z people. But I came across this story from Ellie Reynolds. Um, she is an assistant editor at The Federalist. Got her BA in government from Patrick Henry College, a minor in journalism. Okay. I, I don't know anything else about her. But it's a story about cottagecore. Do you know what cottagecore is? Cottagecore is a style of dress. And it's the story about how basically sundresses have come back in fashion amongst Gen Z women. As a matter of fact, it became such a big thing during COVID that Target put out a whole line of clothing uh, like this, and they started making fun of it and calling it the Target Dress Challenge. And a funny thing happened. It didn't just mock. It got popular. And people started buying these dresses, as described, mid-length, high-collared dresses with lace trim. It started selling like mad. Why? That's the question. One of the arguments being made is that this is not the clothing of the MTV Music Awards, where Lord Only Knows Who is grinding on Lord Only Knows Who. It's about femininity. It's about women being women. There's a touch of modesty uh, even even involved in this. But what really there is, as described uh, here in this piece in The Federalist, is about a delicate feminine aesthetic that is not only popular but remaining so. Now you say to me, Tony, uh, this is not... What happened, to, what happened to a political show? We are discussing things that have a serious effect on the future of a nation. Republicans getting hosed on an infrastructure bill because they're not smart enough to know they can't trust Joe Biden as a thing. But how culture moves the body politic is everything. And fashion is a huge part of it. The political right likes to play ignorant to these things and say, oh, they don't matter. They certainly do. Allow me to do what I can to share these stories with you. Because these fashion things matter greatly. What happens when a, a, a style flies in the face of what so-called pop culture is telling them. As described, the aesthetic marked by flowy cuts, feminine patterns, soothing color palettes, evokes a lifestyle of gardening, picking flowers, baking cookies, or chasing chickens around a pretty red barn. Now, maybe it's also is about the female shape. There, it, 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 it is modest, but still shows. Different than, let's say, how Billie Eilish dresses in the baggy everything, except for recently when she's putting herself into lingerie, because I guess she's got to remind people that she's still a woman or something. I, I don't know why she's doing what she's doing. Billie Eilish is somebody who's 
definitely what looks like on her daily basis she's rejecting the idea of being feminized or sexualized not feminized sexualized but then did this whole um you know uh a photo shoot then you have victoria's secret which i think is are they going out of business or did they just get rid of the uh the victoria's secret angels so they can have transgender models Maybe that's not the way the, the younger set is going. And maybe that's a conversation. And maybe as as uh, L. Reynolds, I don't know if it's Ellie or L, uh, talks about maybe this this methodology of dress, right? The the cottage core, C-O-R-E, cottage core, isn't for every uh, Gen Z uh, woman. And, that, and that's totally fine, but... Maybe it does speak to some about an, an embrace of, of who they are. It's very interesting. And watching these kinds of uh, trends could tell us much about where this generation is going and what they think of themselves. Cottage core. Look for it. Ask your kids about it. Get back to me. I'm Tony Katz. So Brian Stelter wants you to know that it's important to have a healthy media diet. See, that's your problem, producer Ari. You do not have a healthy media diet. And in order to have a healthy media diet, you have to be getting news from all kinds of sources. Like, for example, the Washington Post and the Los Angeles Times. He actually said the words. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. You can find my story uh, on this at TonyCats.com or WIBC.com. I couldn't believe it when he said it. Newsbusters had first come out with this, and I give them uh, the full credit. But it goes along with a story about Hannah Dreyer, who's with the Washington Post, national reporter. Won, she's won very prestigious awards. But she put out the story that Governor Ron DeSantis, in dealing with this collapse, this uh, building collapse in, in Surfside, which is just north of Miami, nine people dead thus far. He didn't get moving fast enough. He didn't get on the ground for a full day. This is what she's putting out there. 25,000 likes on Twitter. First responders were out to the scene in minutes. The mayor of Miami-Dade County, a Democrat, did not sign an executive order regarding uh, help for 12 hours. The governor signed his executive order within an hour of the mayor signing hers. She leaves all that out in her reporting. This is a Washington Post reporter. So first question should be asked to Brian Stelter. Is this real news? Because it came from the Washington Post or a Washington Post reporter? Of course it's not. 
Geography notwithstanding, the Washington Post and the Los Angeles Times are from the same perspective, which is leftist. And you'll notice Brian Stelter does not require any type of information from the Midwest. He couldn't give a damn what the heartland thinks about anything. But let's go back to this so-called reporter. Why didn't she report the situation in full? Well, she didn't report it in full regarding the mayor, regarding DeSantis, regarding the first responders for one of two reasons. She did not do the job of a journalist and did not check the facts or she did not care about the job of a journalist. Therefore, she did not care about the facts and instead pushed a narrative. Which is about the Republican, Ron DeSantis, not doing his job and being responsible for the damage. But Brian Stelter wants to tell me about my the, the, the need for all of us having a healthy media diet, a balanced media diet. A balanced media diet only comes when so-called news organizations demand focus on news over narrative. That's what America wants. And as the ratings, his ratings are in the, in the toilet and so are Joy Reid's. And the readership is down all across the place. As they show, America is not going to reward those who lie to us, then demand we respect them. Brian Stelter deserves no respect, and neither does Chris Cuomo or the rest. And Heather Dreyer? Not in the slightest. Hannah Dreyer? Not in the slightest. She either isn't a good reporter or purposefully lied. And I believe the answer is yes. What's going on with those Olympic hopefuls? A lot of wokeness. This is Tony Katz today.